Today is the 23rd day of January. Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible. I am Brian. It is great to be here with you today as we gather and take the next step forward together. And our our steps lately have been centered, at least in the book of Genesis, on the story of Joseph. So Abraham... Isaac, Jacob, whose name became Israel, and now his son, Joseph. And we don't need to review everything. He got trafficked into Egypt. He was sold into slavery. He eventually became the second in command of all of Egypt. Eventually, his brothers who had trafficked him are before him, bowing down to him. They need to buy grain. And there's been some back and forth there, a lot of drama, a lot of family drama, a lot of backstory. And finally, Joseph, in yesterday's reading, revealed himself to his brothers. And the word is traveled. And now Jacob, Joseph's father, who believed that Joseph had been dead for a very long time now, has found out that his son is alive and he wants to go see him before he dies. And that's where we pick up the story. Genesis chapters 46 and 47 today. Israel packed up everything he owned and traveled to Beersheba. There he offered sacrifices to his father Isaac's God. God said to Israel in a vision at night, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, I'm here. He said, I am El, your father's God. Don't be afraid to go down to Egypt because I will make a great nation of you there. I will go down to Egypt with you and I promise to bring you out again. Joseph will close your eyes when you die. Then Jacob left Beersheba. Israel's sons put their father Jacob, their children, and their wives on the wagons Pharaoh had sent to carry him. They took their livestock and their possessions that they had acquired in the land of Canaan and arrived in Egypt, Jacob and all of his children with him. His sons and grandsons, his daughters and his granddaughters, all of his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. These are the names of the Israelites who went to Egypt, including Jacob and his sons. Jacob's oldest son was Reuben. Reuben's sons were Hanok, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. Simeon's sons were Jemuel, Jamin, Oahad, Yakin, Zoar, and Shal, whose mother was a Canaanite. Levi's sons were Gershon, Koad, and Merari. Judah's sons were Ur, Onan, Shelah, Perez, and Zerah. Ur and Onan both died in the land of Canaan. Perez's sons were Hezron and Hamul. Issachar's sons were Tola, Puva, Lob, and Shimron. Zebulun's sons were Sered, Ilan, and Jalil. These are the sons Leah bore to Jacob and Paddan Aram. Her daughter was Dinah. 
All of these persons, including his sons and daughters, totaled 33. God's sons were Ziphion, Hagi, Shuni, Esbon, Uri, Arodi, and Areli. Asher's sons were Imna, Ishba, Ishbi, Biriah, and their sister Sira. Biriah's sons were Heber and Melchiel. These are the sons of Zilba, whom Laban gave to his daughter Leah. She bore these to Jacob, a total of 16 persons. The sons of Jacob's wife Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin. To Joseph, in the land of Egypt, were born Manasseh and Ephraim. Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of Heliopolis, bore them to him. Benjamin's sons were Bela, Becker, Ashbel, Gira, Naaman, Ei, Rosh, Mupim, Upim, and Ard. These are Rachel's sons who were born to Jacob, a total of 14 persons. Dan's son was Ushim. Naphtali's sons were Jaziel, Guni, Jazer, and Shalem. These are the sons of Bilhah, whom Laban gave to his daughter Rachel. She bore these to Jacob, a total of seven persons. All of the persons going to Egypt with Jacob, his own children, excluding Jacob's sons' wives, totaled 66 persons. Joseph's sons, born to him in Egypt, were two persons. Thus, all of the persons in Jacob's household going to Egypt totaled 70. Israel had sent Judah ahead to Joseph so that Joseph could explain the way to Goshen. Then they arrived in the land of Goshen. Joseph hitched up his chariot and went to meet his father Israel in Goshen. When he arrived, he threw his arms around his neck and wept, embracing him for a long time. Israel said to Joseph, I can die now after seeing your face. You are really still alive. Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, Let me go up and inform Pharaoh and tell him, My brothers and my father's household who were in the land of Canaan have arrived. The men are shepherds because they own livestock. They've brought with them their flocks and herds and everything they own. When Pharaoh summons you and says, What do you do? Say, Your servants have owned livestock since we were young, both we and our ancestors, so that you will be able to settle in the land of Goshen, since Egyptians think all shepherds are beneath their dignity. Joseph went to inform Pharaoh and said, My father and brothers with their flocks Herds and everything they own have come from the land of Canaan and are now in the land of Goshen. From all of his brothers, he selected five men and presented them before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph's brothers, What do you do? They said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds, both we and our ancestors. They continued, We've come to the land as immigrants because the famine is so severe in the land of Canaan that there are no more pastures for your servants' flocks. Please allow your servants to settle in the land of Goshen. Pharaoh said to Joseph, 
since your father and brothers have arrived, the land of Egypt is available to you. Settle your father and brothers in the land's best location. Let them live in the land of Goshen, and if you know capable men among them, put them in charge of my own livestock. Joseph brought his father Jacob and gave him an audience with Pharaoh. Jacob blessed Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said to Jacob, How old are you? Jacob said to Pharaoh, I've been a traveler for 130 years. My years have been few and difficult. They don't come close to the years my ancestors lived during their travels. Jacob blessed Pharaoh and left Pharaoh's presence. Joseph settled his father and brothers and gave them property in the land of Egypt and the best location in the land of Ramses, just as Pharaoh had ordered. Joseph provided food for his father, his brothers, and his father's entire household in proportion to the number of children. There was no food in the land because the famine was so severe. The land of Egypt and the land of Canaan dried up from the famine. Joseph collected all of the silver to be found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the grain, which people came to buy, and he deposited it in Pharaoh's treasury. The silver from the land of Egypt and from the land of Canaan had been spent, and all of the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us food. Why should we die before your eyes just because the silver is gone? Joseph said, Give me your livestock and I will give you food for your livestock if the silver is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph and Joseph gave them food for the horses, flocks, cattle, and donkeys. He got them through that year with food in exchange for all of their livestock. When that year was over, they came to him the next year and said to him, We can't hide from my master that the silver is spent and that we've given the livestock to my master. All that's left for my master is our corpses and our farmland. Why should we die before your eyes, we and our farmland too? Buy us and our farms for food and we and our farms will be under Pharaoh's control. Give us seed so that we can stay alive and not die, and so that our farmland won't become unproductive. So Joseph bought all of Egypt's farmland for Pharaoh, because every Egyptian sold his field when the famine worsened. So the land became Pharaoh's. He moved the people to the cities from one end of Egypt to the other. However, he didn't buy the farmland of the priests because Pharaoh allowed the priests a subsidy, and they were able to eat from the subsidy Pharaoh gave them. Therefore, they didn't have to sell their farmland. Joseph said to the people, Since I've now purchased you and your farmland for Pharaoh, here's seed for you. Plant the seed on the land. When the crop comes in, you must give one-fifth to Pharaoh. You may keep four-fifths for yourselves, for planting fields, and for feeding yourselves, those in your households and your children. The people said, You've saved our lives. 
If you wish, we will be Pharaoh's slaves. So Joseph made a law that still exists today. Pharaoh receives one-fifth from Egypt's farmland. Only the priest's farmland didn't become Pharaoh's. Israel lived in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen. They settled in it, had many children, and became numerous. After Jacob had lived in the land of Egypt for 17 years, and after he had lived a total of 147 years, Israel's death approached. He summoned his son Joseph and said to him, If you would be so kind, lay your hand under my thigh and be loyal and true to me. Don't bury me in Egypt. When I lie down with my fathers, carry me from Egypt and bury me in their grave. Joseph said, I will do just as you say. Israel said, Give me your word. And Joseph gave his word. Then Israel slumped down at the head of the bed. Matthew 15, 1 through 28. Then Pharisees and legal experts came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why are your disciples breaking the elders' rules handed down to us? They don't ritually purify their hands by washing before they eat. Jesus replied, Why do you break the command of God by keeping the rules handed down to you? For God said, Honor your father and your mother, and the person who speaks against father or mother will certainly be put to death. But you say, If you tell your father or mother, everything I'm expected to contribute to you, I'm giving to God as a gift, then you don't have to honor your father. So you do away with God's law for the sake of the rules that have been handed down to you. Hypocrites. Isaiah really knew what he was talking about when he prophesied about you. This people honors me with their lips but their hearts are far away from me. Their worship of me is empty since they teach instructions that are human rules. Jesus called the crowd near and said to them, Listen and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that contaminates a person in God's sight. It's what comes out of the mouth that contaminates the person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended by what you just said? Jesus replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father didn't plant will be pulled up. Leave the Pharisees alone. They are blind people who are guides to blind people. But if a blind person leads another blind person, they will both fall into a ditch. Then Peter spoke up. Explain this riddle to us. Jesus said, Don't you understand yet? Don't you know that everything that goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what goes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And that's 
what contaminates a person in God's sight. Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adultery, sexual sins, thefts, false testimonies, and insults. These contaminate a person in God's sight. But eating without washing hands doesn't contaminate in God's sight. From there, Jesus went to the regions of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from those territories came out and shouted, Show me mercy, son of David. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. When he didn't respond to her at all, his disciples came and urged him, Send her away. She keeps shouting out after us. Jesus replied, I've been sent only to the lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she knelt before him and said, Lord, help me. He replied, It is not good to take the children's bread and toss it to dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall off their master's table. Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. It will be just as you wish. And right then her daughter was healed. Psalm 19 For the music leader, a psalm of David. Heaven is declaring God's glory. The sky is proclaiming his handiwork. One day gushes the news to the next, and one night informs another what needs to be known. Of course, there's no speech, no words. Their voices can't be heard, but their sound extends throughout the world. Their words reach the ends of the earth. God has made a tent in heaven for the sun. The sun is like a groom coming out of his honeymoon suite. Like a warrior, it thrills at running its course. It rises in one end of the sky. Its circuit is complete at the other. Nothing escapes its heat. The Lord's instruction is perfect, reviving one's very being. The Lord's laws are faithful, making naive people wise. The Lord's regulations are right, gladdening the heart. The Lord's commands are pure, giving light to the eyes. Honoring the Lord is correct, lasting forever. The Lord's judgments are true. All of these are righteous. They are more desirable than gold, than tons of pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, even dripping off the honeycomb. No doubt about it, your servant is enlightened by them. There is great reward in keeping them. But can anyone know what they've accidentally done wrong? Clear me of any unknown sin and save your servant from willful sins. Don't let them rule me. Then I'll be completely blameless. 
I'll be innocent of great wrongdoing. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Proverbs 4, 14 through 19. Don't go on the way of the wicked. Don't walk on the path of evil people. Avoid it. Don't turn onto it. Stay off of it and keep going. They don't sleep unless they do evil. They are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of evil and they drink the wine of violence. The way of the righteous is like morning light. It gets brighter and brighter till it is full day. The path of the wicked is like deep darkness. They don't know where they will stumble. Okay, so a very dramatic reunion between Jacob and his lost son Joseph occurs today. The family arrives in Egypt. They go before Pharaoh. They are assigned a place to live, a good land, the land of Goshen, good for livestock. And so they are, you know, because the shepherds and stuff are like beneath the dignity of the Egyptians, they are in a land that they have to themselves, a beautiful, spacious land that is their salvation. It is keeping them alive the whole family of Jacob. So Jacob's name was changed to Israel, right? So all of his family, all of the children of Israel and grandchildren, the entire household has migrated to Egypt. Jacob is about to die. And so he makes Joseph promise not to bury him in Egypt, to take him back to his ancestral burial plots in the land of promise like he is instilling in his son this isn't our home we were promised a land this isn't our home bury me back in the land of promise but this is how the children of Israel got to Egypt and it shouldn't probably be too much of a spoiler alert they're going to stay in Egypt like for centuries now like for 400 years, they're going to stay in Egypt and we will get to know that story as we continue the story. But we are coming to the end of the book of Genesis. I believe we finish Genesis the day after tomorrow. And so uh, the story of Joseph and the formation of the family of Israel, the children of Israel and their migration, how they ended up in Egypt in the first place. This is the part of the story that we're in. This is the part of the story that we're learning about. And what a beautiful story. So much for us in Joseph. So much injustice in the story of Joseph. So much to be bitter about. So much to be depressed about. So much to be in anguish and hopelessness about. And yet somehow he continues to navigate forward believing that this, this wasn't the end of his story. And we see that the story has turned out well 
And then Joseph's perspective on his own story is that although evil was intended for him, God intended it for good and it had greater purposes beyond just Joseph. He was sent to save lives. Thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of lives, including the children of Israel, his own family. And we are beginning to bring that chapter to a close here in the next couple of days. Then we get into the book of Matthew today, and Jesus teaches something really, really important. It's not like he's not teaching this in every way that he teaches, but there's a confrontation that happens. The Pharisees, the legal experts, come to Jesus and go like, why are your disciples breaking the traditions that the elders have handed down to us? Jesus kind of flips that around and says, why are you breaking God's commands by keeping traditions that are handed down to you from the elders? Like you're going after my disciples for things that you do all the time. And he gives an example about honoring your father and your mother and that a tradition had come down and a ruling had been dealt that, yes, you have to honor your father and mother, but if you were going to honor your father and mother by taking care of them in their old age and you had been, you know, you had some money for that, resources for that, and you decided you're going to not take care of your mom and dad, you're just going to, you're going to give that money to God. Well, then you don't have to honor your father and your mother with that with that money. I guess they're, I guess they're on their own. And Jesus is just calling the hypocrisy out of that as he leads to what he's trying to point out. What he points out often that our lives are lived from within. And when we only focus on the exterior of our lives, we're missing the central component of what makes us, us. And if our interior lives and our exterior lives are incongruent, then there is hypocrisy present But even beyond just like it's wrong to be hypocritical, we are divided. We are presenting a false reality externally that is different than what is actually true inside of us. This is not how we were made. We were made to be true inside and outside. And so we live our exterior lives with levels of deception. And if we look back just a few weeks, we're just getting into the year. We remember in the Garden of Eden that it was a deception that eventually caused a fall. And so living into this deception where there's an exterior life and an interior life Jesus is trying to unify, to bring back together, to put back together what got broken. And so Jesus teaches everything that goes into the mouth enters the stomach and then goes out into the sewer. 
But what goes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And that is what contaminates a person in God's sight because that is coming from the heart. That is coming from the interior life. And he's using these Pharisees and uh, teachers of the law, experts in the law, as the backdrop for this teaching, essentially saying they look good. And this isn't the only time Jesus says this kind of stuff. We'll see this repeatedly. It look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're like, you're like a whitewashed tomb. That's an example that Jesus uses elsewhere. You look pretty on the outside, but inside you're just full of a corpse, a rotting, dead corpse. And this helps us kind of understand that like our bodies have systems, right? So like what you eat gets processed by these systems and what does not get used uh, leaves the body one way or the other. And whatever leaves the body one way or the other is what was processed by what we put into our bodies. This is how the body works. If we understand that our interior lives have these kinds of systems, what we're going to put into us is going to get processed and then exit. And in Jesus' Example here, the exit is the mouth. So are we just pooping things out of our mouth constantly? Is that what our language is like? Is that what's coming out of us? Is that because that's what we've put into us and that's what got processed inside of us. And so that is informing who we are and making us very duplicitous. Understanding that what we put in is what comes out is not something that should be so foreign concept to us. It's something we've been learning since we were born. Maybe if we begin to apply this in spiritual terms in our interior lives, it could be a light bulb moment for us. It could turn the lights on and go, oh, okay. Okay, well, I am, I am consuming things that do nothing but make me anxious and make me full of anxiety. And so that is coming out of my mouth because that is what is going on inside of me. Maybe my diet needs to change. We certainly understand this concept externally. We understand that if you only eat Twinkies, you'll get sick eventually. And only Twinkies, whatever's left over, is what's going to come out. But a well-balanced diet that gives us energy and that our bodies know what to do with provide us what we need for health. Why would that be any different than what's going on inside of us? And so, something to think about today. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to lead us in how to think about that. How to kind of examine what we're consuming and not just consuming as entertainment, but just the way that we are framing everything in our story, the way that we are looking at everything. We surrender these things to you, asking you to lead and guide us into what we should be putting within us and what will yield fruit 
for your kingdom. Come Holy Spirit into this, we ask, as we think about it today, as we watch ourselves today. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. DailyAudioBible.com, that's home base, and that is where you can find out what's what's happening around here, and so check that out. The Daily Audio Bible app does that as well in the palm of your hand, and that can be found wherever the app store is that's connected to your device. So just search for Daily Audio Bible, and you'll find that. Check that out. And while you're doing all this checking out, check out the community section whether on the app or in the web. This is where to get connected. This is where links uh, to the different social media channels that we participate in are. It is also the home of the prayer wall, which is a place for us as we take this journey that is always available. No matter what time of day or night, whether we can't sleep, whether we can't eat, whatever's going on in our lives, we can share the story and ask our brothers and sisters who are literally taking the same journey that we are each and every day through the scriptures to pray for us and bring encouragement into our lives and so that's the prayer wall that is in the community section you can get to it from the app or from the web so certainly check it out if you want to partner with the daily audio bible If the mission to bring the spoken word of God read fresh every day and offered freely to whoever may listen, wherever they may be, whatever time of day or night it is, no matter where we are in the world, no matter what is going on, and to build community around showing up every day, being here around the global campfire, if that is life-giving to you, then thank you humbly for your partnership. There is a link on the homepage at dailyaudiobible.com. If you're using the app, you can press the Give button in the upper right-hand corner. The mailing address is P.O. Box 1996, Spring Hill, Tennessee, 37174. And as always, if you have a prayer request or encouragement, you can hit the hotline button in the app. Or you can dial 877-942-4253. And that's it for today. I'm Brian. I love you. And I'll be waiting for you here. Tomorrow. Hello, beautiful Daily Audio Bible family. This is Asia from the City of Angels. I haven't called in for a while and I have been meaning to call in and just let you all know how edifying it is to hear all of your prayers, your praise reports and your general encouragement on this line. Thank you again to the Harding family for this most anointed ministry that we are all being blessed with. I did want to call in today and give some encouragement to the teen who called in on January 18th um, talking about faith and really um, encouraging those other teens out there to not be ashamed of their faith. And I would step that one step further and say to not be ashamed of the gospel and why we are being saved. And that young people 
to have this type of encouragement and knowledge at such a young age, it's, it's nothing less than beautiful. So thank you for calling in and I am praying for you as, the, as well as the rest of the teens out there. I also wanna give some encouragement to Lisa who called in from the West Coast, Philippians 4, 6. You let us know that you do have stage four stomach cancer and you need prayer um, that the hospital that you're in will let you stay there for the rest of these next, I guess, about almost five days or so before your caregivers are available. And you sounded still so hopeful and, and encouraging. And I just wanted to pray for you as well as Vicki from the desert who called in asking for prayers for people who have cancer. And I just want to do that. So Heavenly Father, we lift up our beautiful brethren to you that are suffering from diseases like cancer. And we just lift them up to you. May you have your perfect will for them, Lord God, and may they soften in the presence of your grace. Hello, DAB family. This is God's tree. I have many branches, but I'm rooted by the word of God. And I'm really gonna be rooted today. I just got my heart broken by my husband. And right now, I don't know what to do with it. But I found out that he was doing some things behind my back. Uh, but it is what it is. It's what marriage is. Married 29 years, so things are bound to go wrong sometimes. But I asked God to fix our marriage. And I kept praying, I kept praying. And then this happened. And now I'm wondering if this is the reason why God never tried to renew our relationship was because he saw this going on. But anyway, I'm not gonna stop trusting God. I'm not gonna be angry with God. I'm trusting, believe he knows what's best for me and he sees what the end is gonna be. He's gonna carry me through it. I just asked for my DAB family to pray for me and help me to get through this situation in my life and keep trusting God and believing and not reacting, but holding my peace and let God work it out. And all I ask for you, ask God to hold my heart together is what I need, cause it's really broken right now. I thank you for your prayers. And as you continue to pray for one another, we are gonna get through this y'all, cause God got us. God bless. Hi, Debbers. It's Angie from Winchester, Virginia. I just heard Lori from South Carolina uh, share her experience about God filling her tank and the kindness of the worker at the gas station. And it brought to mind 13 years ago, God calling me out of a 35-year career and into the field of nursing. I was fighting him. I could not see a way where financially I could do this. I could not take two years off of work to go to nursing school. And I kept fighting him and he said, trust me, you know, I could do this. So um, I kept fighting him and lo and behold, I got laid off from my job. Um, and instead of being devastated, I said, you know what? God is trying to show me something here. And I ended up getting a severance package of 18 months. And it was just enough money to pay for my tuition and pay for my bills while I was in nursing school for two years. 
how that happened, I do not know, but he provided for me so beautifully. So I'm telling you, anytime that God is calling you into something, don't hesitate. He will provide for you. He will bring people into your lives. He will work situations to where the situation that he is calling you into will be provided for you. So he's making beauty out of ashes and I am doing things in my career now that I never imagined possible. And I am helping people in a way that I never, ever, ever believed I would. You guys have a great day and I love you guys and God bless. Hi, this is Donna from California. And today is January 18th. And I'd like to lift up Lisa from the West Coast in prayer today. Um, she called in and is has been uh, diagnosed with terminal stomach cancer, uh, stage four. And she is asking if she could just be allowed to stay in the hospital until Thursday, which I think would be tomorrow. Um, hopefully that's been granted until her caregivers can, can get to her and take her home with them. Um, we thank you and that you have provided people who can help her. And uh, let's pray for Lisa. Oh, Father, your daughter Lisa needs you. And uh, we thank you for her. We thank you for her mighty faith. Her faith just so deeply touched me that she still sees God in all of this. She also goes by Philippians 4, 6, which is just beautiful. Be anxious for nothing. We ask that you ease any anxiety about procedures. We ask that you... Take away pain. And we ask that you keep her focused on you through all of this. Keep her eyes on you. And uh, gather people around. Um, may people see you in her, people who are caring for her. If they don't know you, may they see you, Lord. I pray that a miracle can be done for Lisa and that she, she can be healed. But you have this in your hands, and we know that you are a good and mighty God, and that whatever plans you have for Lisa will be good ones. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And we love you, Lisa. We love you. This is from Junk to Treasure, and I have a special prayer request. Um, my great uncle had married his second wife, who is the great-grandmother of three young girls, um, all under 18. They were coming home after school and were involved in a car wreck. They pulled out from what the reports say in front of a truck that was going down the state road. One of the girls is suffering with a brain bleed. One of the girls had had to have jaw surgery and had several of her teeth knocked out. And one of the other sisters was treated and released. And their grandmother is raising them. And she works as a bus driver. And the two girls that are hospitalized are in two different hospitals in different parts of the state which are in opposite directions of each other so i ask you to also pray for traveling mercies for the grandmother who i am undoubtedly sure 
will want to travel to see both of the girls as often as she can. Um, so I just ask you once again to lift these girls up. Their names are Lacey, Lila, and Lexis. And the grandmother's name is Jill. Thank you so much for your... Hello, DAB family. This is Diana from Florida. And I want to pray for Lisa from the West Coast, who also goes by Philippians 4.16, I believe, on the prayer wall. She has stage 4 cancer. Oh, Lisa... You got me, you got me mourning with you and in the trenches with you because I could hear the noise of the hospital equipment in the background as you spoke and I was just like, God, help this young lady. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, I pray for Lisa. Lord, look at her prayer. She is praying, oh Lord God, that you would extend her stay at the hospital to align with the arrival of her caregivers so that she won't have to struggle at home by herself with the inability to do her basic tasks. Lord God, I pray that you would supply this need, oh Lord, that you would extend her stay, that you would provide for the hospital bills, that you would use Lisa as a light in that place, oh Lord, to preach the gospel, Father God. And if it is your will to heal her body of this infirmity, I pray that you would do so in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that you would continue to foster in her that strong faith that she is carrying and that you would continue to give her boldness for you. In Jesus' name, amen.